Thanks for listening to the CVA Grain Exchange. Stay up to date on all things CVA Grain by signing up for our grain emails at cvacoop.com slash grain or follow us on social media at Central Valley Ag on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Tune in next month, and until then, stay safe. Welcome back, everybody. End of March, fireworks, March 31st, planning intentions, quarterly stocks. Uh, Typically is an exciting day for the grain markets. Going back through history, uh, if you're going to find a limit move throughout the crop year, there's a pretty good chance that March 31st uh, is going to give you the best chance to see that happen. Uh, Did not disappoint today in a positive way. Planted acreage, big surprise for corn and beans, principal crops, uh, all the way around friendly. Excited to dive into those numbers to tell you all about what we're seeing. Uh, to help me do that today, uh, we've got Lindsay Sabatka. She's a merchandiser with CVA. Uh, Lindsay's been with us a few years. Uh, Lindsay, welcome to the CVA Grain Exchange. Thanks, Luke. Lindsay, tell us a little bit about your background. Yeah, so I grew up on a row crop and cow-calf operation outside of Western Nebraska. Graduated from the University of Lincoln, Nebraska in 2017 with my major in agribusiness and a minor in animal science and started with CVA that May as well. Awesome. Well, uh, college grad not too long ago. Uh, What attracted you to CVA at that time? So at that time, I wanted to stay involved in agriculture and in a small town community that I grew up like I grew up in. Um, So CVA was a great choice for me because it gave me that small town community that I know and love, but allowed me the opportunity to grow and challenge myself by being an extremely diversified um, company. Well, we're trying to give you those opportunities, Lindsay. It's exciting uh, that you're here. And that is a key piece of the cooperative culture is uh, CVA, we're invested in in rural America. Uh, So if you're a small town kid, uh, you get your education, you want to come back and uh, get, you know, realize that experience of, of small town life, uh, but also being a company that's large enough to provide some of those opportunities, CBA is that perfect fit. Um, Lindsay, you're a great example of that. So excited to have you on. Uh, we want to get a little bit of your thoughts on these reports today, uh, touch a little bit on uh, some of your areas of expertise uh, on the merchandising end as well. So let's dive into it. Uh, The big surprise today was acres. This is a big day where we report on prospective plantings. The USDA is out surveying uh, producers in early March. So this is survey-based data. It's different from the Ag Outlook Forum, which we saw at the end of February, uh, which is really just the USDA's uh, guess at that point in time and what they think acres will be at the time. Uh, March 31st data is actually survey-based data uh, based on what producers told them. So when we look at that, uh, we're looking at principal crops. Now this is a really a sum of all acres planted in the U.S. Uh, going into this year. That was 316 million acres um, and that was up 2% from the previous year. Uh, that number sounds big. Uh, that's up from 310 million last year, 303 million a couple years ago. Uh, both of those smaller years due to higher prevent plant Really, principal crop acres, you look at 316 million, that compares to the 2015 to 2018 uh, totals, right around 319 million all of those years. So we didn't even match uh, some of those lower price years from 15 to 18. So pretty interesting. Now, as you look at the breakdown, uh, we'll start with corn. Planted acreage came in at 91.1 million. The uh, market was expecting 93.1 was the average pre-report guess. 
uh, 91.1 would be up just fractionally from a year ago, up less than a half a percent uh, year over year. So really wildly bullish number from uh, the USDA today, the biggest uh, bullish miss that we've had in some time. Uh, actually, it's the third largest bullish surprise that we've had in the last 30 years. Uh, so just a big, uh, a big bullish deviation from what was expected going into the report today. Uh, and it did produce a limit up move in corn, uh, 25 cents up from old crop all the way through a lot of your new crop contracts. Uh, as we look at state by state breakdowns, um, you're really looking at the main Corn Belt states losing anywhere from three to 5% of their acres year over year, and the big gain coming in the Dakotas. Uh, and again, that's a lot of your prevent plant acres coming back um, from what we saw uh, a year ago. Looking at the stocks report, corn was slightly supportive there as well. Uh, we did see uh, corn stocks come in at 7.7 billion bushels versus a 7.77 billion expectation. That was slightly supportive. We did see less corn uh, in farmer hands year over year and commercial stocks were up uh, just a bit year over year. So a lot of information today. Uh, Lindsay, I wanna get your thoughts on, on all of uh, the information that I just shared. Yeah, so I agree with you, Luke. That was an extremely bullish report here this morning at 11 o'clock. Um, so first looking at that perspective planting number, the trade was kind of expecting anywhere from 93 to 94 million acres. So we came in sure. at that 91.1 million acres. So that was about 2.9 to 1.9 million bushels lower than what the trade is expecting. So extremely bullish there. But like you said, it was very comparable to last year's um, seeded acreage number of that 90.8. So going forward, depending on how our planting season goes, in my opinion, I think we're going to see that number continue to grow especially if we have a nice planting season where it's dry, we get a lot of acres in. Um, and like you said, this survey was taken towards end of February, beginning of March. And so at that time, we have to remember that we were going through a cold snap. Farmers weren't 100% sure, you know, how long that was going to last. So now that we're seeing the weather start to turn more favorable, hopefully farmers will be out in the field here in the next week or so. I think we'll see those acres come back to maybe corn and beans. Um, one thing that we have to remember is based off of the exports, we have yet to ship and assuming normal ethanol grind, one would think that the stocks number is indicating that our carryout is going to be less than a 1.5 that the USDA is saying. So I think that we continue to see this market push itself up. Yeah, you know, you brought up some good things there in, in uh, both the planted acreage and the stocks numbers. Just a note on the planted acreage, and you mentioned it, Lindsay, we were talking even before we, we cut uh, the podcast here, but when you look at corn and bean combined acreage, and we already talked about principal crops, but if you just look at corn and beans, uh, the combined total between those two is 178.7 million acres uh, between corn and beans this year, based on today's data. Uh, the record for corn and beans was 2017 at 180. So despite seven year highs on prices during the survey period, um, you know, we couldn't produce record acreage, which is a little bit of a head scratcher. Now, we don't want to look a gift horse in the mouth. Uh, we're happy the prices are up. But to your point, Lindsay, you know, we would expect that this is a pretty good carrot uh, for producers all over the U.S. to want to plant as many acres of everything, <laughs> really, that they can. Um, so you're kind of feeling like great opportunity here. Uh, we'll just talk corn. But, you know, the next time we see acres is the end of June, right? That's correct. We'll see them on the June 30th report. And I agree with you, you know, those numbers 
I mean, at 91.1, there's really no wiggle room to steal them away or say it's going to go lower. I think this will be one of the lower numbers that we see here all year. So I think it's only going to jump from there. So I think you're 100% correct. We need to reward the market. Don't, um, especially with it being an inverse, we need to reward that market. Yeah. Well, it'll be a great opportunity. You know, we talk about seasonal windows all the time in grain marketing, and really we're entering that phase right now. Uh, today's information is going to give us a charge that really is going to give producers a great chance to be sellers uh, between now and the end of June. We'd encourage people to definitely do that. So we'll see how the market responds uh, in the later days. We have a long weekend ahead of us, no trade Friday. So it uh, could, be, could be an interesting next couple of sessions here as we open up the month of April. Uh, let's move over to the soybean side here. Uh, planted acreage there, uh, as we've already alluded to, friendly, 87.6 million uh, versus 90.1. Uh, those acres were up 5.4% uh, year over year. We expected a big jump. We expected a bigger jump than what we got today. Market was uh, caught off guard by that. Uh, soybeans were up the limit at 70 cents higher from old crop through new crop. As we look at the state by state breakdown, you know, really big jump in the Dakotas, uh, North Dakota up 20% year over year. Uh, again, getting back some prevent plant acres or at least the way it looks today. Um, and really a lot of your Corn Belt states uh, saw acres transition away from corn uh, and over to soybeans. So uh, soybean acreage report, pretty darn supportive. I would say more supportive, more supportive than corn. Uh, just as you look at the balance sheet, we really couldn't afford to have a number under 90 million. Uh, feels like it's gonna be the market's job to go Go get some acres, Lindsay, like you talked about. Um, on the stock side, this was really about the only bearish number between corn and beans today, and I wouldn't even call it super bearish, but uh, we had a 1.56 billion bushel stocks number in beans versus a 1.53 billion expectation. So slightly more beans than we expected to have, um, but the market just purely overwhelmed uh, by the bullish acreage numbers today. So Lindsay, what stood out to you today uh, on the soybean side? Yeah, so once again, another extremely bullish report here on the prospective planting acres. Everyone in the trade was assuming that 89 to 90 million acres, and it came in well below that at 87.6. So again, you're looking at having less acres, tighter carryout. And so at that point, you know, this will probably be the lowest number we see again for the year to reward the market. But that balance sheet needs to be more comfortable. So in order to do that, that market has to entice the farmer by either driving price up or by rationing demand at some point to try and build that back into the balance sheet to make it more comfortable instead of looking at such a tight balance sheet that we've seen in the last few years. And, you know, we don't talk wheat a lot on this, on this podcast. And, and uh, the one thing we'll say today, winter wheat acreage, winter wheat uh, and wheat in general, that was the bearish commodity. Now it was higher today because it just was overcome by what was going on in soybeans and corn, but hard red winter wheat acreage was negative. It was up, you know, three, three and a half percent from the January estimate up 8.8% from last year, you know, 10% jump, um, you know, year over year in Kansas, 12% higher in Texas. So uh, definitely seeing that we planted 30.4 million acres of HRW last year, 33.1 this year, that would be the highest number since 2016. So maybe a little bit at play there with wheat country and really some beneficial rains in Kansas. Uh, and the wheat belt here uh, over the last month. So pretty interesting things there. Uh, so Lindsay, I mean, just thoughts, corn and beans, you know, we think about the next 
30 days is typically what we talk about. What are some things producers should kind of be thinking about marketing wise after getting some bullish information today? Yeah, I definitely, you know, take a step back, look at what you have sold so far, and then start looking at, you know, what's that next level for you to put some sales in. Um, just try, try and get yourself comfortable before that June 30th report, like we were talking, these will probably be the lowest numbers that we see for planning intention or for those acres. So just making sure that, you know, you participate in the rally, especially with having an inverse coming in. I know a lot of people say, you know, sell by the 4th of July, but at this point, when you're looking at new crop values of 450 and almost $12 beans straight out of the field for harvest, those are some pretty good numbers that we have not seen in at least the last four years. So, I mean, the market's telling you to sell some grain and plant a lot of corn and beans. So just looking at, you know, talking to their grain specialist or their local um, originator at their elevator about different ways that they can kind of capitalize on the market rallying like this and getting a comfortable average for them. Yeah, it's, you know, on that note, you know, one of the things that can happen that can creep in during markets like this as we get the, we get the, the famous phone call of uh, cancel that offer because it's close to filling, right? We start pulling offers. That can be okay after a crazy change today, but you don't want to get into that habit of having nothing sold, you know, as this market continues to move higher. There are some bearish items lurking out there that we need to be aware of. So uh, use this as an opportunity, Lindsay, like you said, and, and get positioned uh, before we get some more information at the end of June. So uh, the averaging program is going on for CVA right now. It, it's basically going to price bushels every day uh, in a seasonal window from the middle of April through the 10th of July. So great solution there. If you're just kind of wondering how to navigate this, uh, that, that, contract that program should work very well this year. Lindsay, you touched on the inverse a couple different times in your comments. I want to transition a little bit to maybe you putting your merchandiser hat on a little bit more, but let's talk about old crop basis a little bit. Corn and beans, you know, year over year, those numbers have certainly been stronger than what we've seen or what producers might expect. A little softer today, of course, with the market limit up, but um, help us understand that. Why is old crop basis so strong right now? Yeah. So, I mean, purely looking at your old crop June, July basis numbers, you're showing single digit unders to overs for that time period. And the biggest thing to keep in mind there is that there's an 18 cent inverse between the May board and the July board. So looking strictly at basis, yeah, that number looks really firm compared to your April and your May timeframes, but you need to equate that back to a cash price. And so once you do that, you're looking at anywhere from a five to 10 cent discount to what the market's actually paying you to deliver your grain now. So that inverse is telling the farmer, bring your grain in now. We want it today. We, I mean, they'll build in a little bit of carry, but it's not a lot. If the market's hungry for the grain here today and understanding how an inverse works, you can't just um, look at the basis alone. You have to equate it back to a cash price. Because yeah, three over sounds great, but is three over as good as 560 corn or, you know, that three over is probably more in the range of a 548 cash price. Yeah, it's really that combo of futures and basis and the cash markets, the cash market, right, you know, regardless of basis. So I think, you know, we, we would encourage producers to make sure that uh, 
you reference the proper month, you know, the job of the market is going to be to try to allocate this grain uh, through the rest of this old crop season. So we're seeing those overs, that three over that you're using in this example, Lindsay, um, that's being paid to try to incent somebody to carry grain through an inverse. The market's trying to uh, take your grain now. We don't want you to store it, but um, keep that in mind. Uh, pay attention to the cash bid sheet. You know, that's really what's important because yeah, going home today, May futures are 16 cents higher than July futures. Uh, let's talk a little bit. You're kind of our, you're our resident Milo expert, Lindsay. And uh, Milo has been kind of sexy here the last uh, year or so with uh, the Chinese export program, but talk to us a little bit about Milo basis. What's your outlook there? What are your thoughts? Yeah. So Milo basis is a lot of it is based off of the Chinese export and demand their interest. So right now for new crop Milo, I mean, you're seeing people post in the overs, whereas historically your Milo basis trades at a corn value or less than that. So with that being said, if we see those exports or that interest go away from the market, you'll see Milo go back to trading those corn type values or worse. So Milo is a very finicky market. It can be hot one day and then the next day we can see it drop 10, 15 cents. So today it feels like exporters have their positions covered and we really haven't seen anything new from the Chinese for demand. So that new crop value is still firm, but it's probably not as firm as we saw it two, three weeks ago. Yeah, it, it's kind of like uh, that conversation where we talk about, you know, the current price environment. And when you plant acres, you plant them thinking that Milo basis is going to be crazy, right? So even looking at planted acreage numbers today, Milo acres were up, right? Mm -hmm. You know, compared to, you know, last year. So people, the market has sent that signal, but if you don't act on the signal, from a price perspective, you know, the price could change six months from now uh, when it's time to harvest a crop. So uh, be mindful of that. It sounds like you're trying to encourage guys to take a look at that and uh, the premium's there. So maybe lock some of it in. Exactly. I mean, the market's telling you today that it wants Milo, but I mean, a couple of weeks from now, I mean, we get into the summer months. If that Chinese interest isn't there, then you're going to see that Milo basis back off. And if people are switching over Milo, or acres over two Milo, that that's probably not the boat you want to be in. You want to have a little bit of protection on. So, like we had talked earlier, you know, in the next ninety days, what what could a farmer do? Well, it's like if you are going to be planting Milo acres, maybe look at laying off a little bit of that risk, protect yourself a little bit there. What's a good way that a producer could lock in the premium? Let's say I want to lock the premium in, but you know, I'm still bullish corn futures, which is what we're pricing Milo on. What would be a solution they could consider? Yeah, they could lock in that um, premium or the basis. So do a strictly a cat or a, do a basis contract strictly. And then they have basically until the end of October to price or the end of November to price that contract. So if they think that market is going to continue to run over the summer months, then they can wait and lock in that futures price later. Otherwise, you know, if you're happy with the cash price, it's above your break even. There's nothing wrong with laying off a little bit of risk and being profitable at the same time. Absolutely. Well, uh, great to get a few Milo comments here, Lindsay. Again, acres up um, for Milo year over year. Uh, so people certainly responding to some of those premiums. Uh, Lindsay, we want to transition to uh, kind of the end. We're going to pull this thing down. Now, it is stand up for Grain Safety Week this week, which is pretty exciting. 
Uh, something we're passionate about in a big way at CVA. This really puts a focus on the different hazards in the grain industry, both on the farm and commercial, and what we can do to raise awareness and prevent them. You know, safety doesn't need to be big to be effective. Uh, this year, we are asking people to commit to safety by making small changes in the workplace and how tasks are performed, you know, to make positive safety, to make a positive safety impact. Uh, so, Lindsay, just some thoughts from you uh, representing CVA. Why safety is so important to us? Yeah, it's important to us because we're committed to growing a culture that promotes the health and safety of our employees and patrons. Um, the CVA safety team strives to strengthen that culture through continuous leadership coaching. Um, we're also committed here at CVA to the core value of safety. It also means that success in safety requires us to be successful in four areas. That's employee knowledge, a safe work environment, a safety program implementation, and most importantly, a commitment to doing every job here at CVA safely. It's, it's really a, an opportunity, both like we said, commercial at the commercial level, our grain facilities, safety is of the highest priority. You know, we don't like to see grain engulfments on the farm either. Uh, so slow down, uh, pay attention to what you're doing. Uh, we want you to be safe. Uh, we're here to serve you and we can't do that if, uh, if we're making unwise decisions. Uh, at the farm gate. Uh, for more information, visit cvacoop.com slash safety uh, and stand up for Grain Safety Week. Uh, that's going to bring us to a close here uh, for episode number 14 of the CVA Grain Exchange. We're going to be back in just a few weeks. We'll have the April supply and demand report. Looking forward to how the USDA incorporates uh, updates to export demand coverage and uh, probably some feed demand tweaks in the corn balance sheet after the quarterly stocks numbers. Lindsay, thank you for your time. We're excited to uh, get into the spring season. And as always, stay safe. Thanks for listening to the CVA Grain Exchange. Stay up to date on all things CVA Grain by signing up for our grain emails at cvacoop.com grain, or follow us on social media at Central Valley Ag on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Tune in next month. And until then, stay safe.